everyone. Welcome to the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm joined at Vive. Vive, Vive. I've still, I always say it wrong. Vive. Yeah, I like Vive could be uh, the way to say it. Uh, we're here uh, recording in the podcast booths that the, the conference has, uh, you know, really given us access to. So we're really excited about that. And I'm joined by uh, Mark Claremont, the CEO at Cecilia Health. Mark, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to uh, excited to chat with you here on this uh, sunny day in Miami Beach. Uh, it is warm already. Uh, walking here, I could already feel it, but we're in air conditioning and we're able to uh, have a good conversation today. So I'm excited to chat. If if you wouldn't mind, Mark, if you give a two minute intro on yourself and then kind of roll that into what is Cecilia Health for our audience that are unfamiliar with the company, it'd be great. And then we can start off with some of the questions you and I wanted to go through here today. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Mark Claremont, CEO of Cecilia Health. Um, I've been a long time healthcare, uh, uh, been in healthcare a long time. Um, <laughs> I guess that makes me a veteran at this point. Um, I'm best known as uh, one of the guys that brought up to date a product called up to date to market clinical decision support tool now owned by Walters Kluwer, wildly successful, and, and implemented uh, globally, 60, last I checked, 66% of hospitals globally. So quite a uh, influential uh, product and service and grateful that I was able to help uh, be part of the team to bring that to market and uh, beneficially influence patient decision, uh, 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 provider decision-making uh, globally. So, um, but eventually found myself spinning around the, the, the atmosphere of large multinational, which is a great job for somebody, but um, I missed having uh, the, the direct patient encounters. And so I had an opportunity to then go run a uh, chronic disease management company. And that was my first foray really into the challenges, the ongoing struggles that people have in not only living with chronic diseases, but uh, uh, managing them, trying to stave off their progression and frankly, it's just darn challenging. And when you look at the level of uh, challenges they have navigating healthcare, navigating their own lives, um, you know, there's a lot of help that can be provided. And uh, eventually I was introduced to Cecilia Health. And uh, Cecilia Health, for its part, was uh, founded in 2009, started as a diabetes management company. Actually, uh, a gentleman named David Weingart founded the company. He was diagnosed with, as a type 1 uh, with type 1 diabetes at a, at, at a, a late stage um, adulthood. And, you know, as an adult, you have a lot of, it's, you know, it's a tough diagnosis. As an adult, you have a lot of behavioral changes, nutritional changes that you have to be mindful of, management changes, et cetera. And uh, so he was put in touch with a, a diabetes coach, helped get him educated, helped him navigate this, learn to live with it. And uh, he was so grateful for the impact, the impact that he that she had on his life, that he named the company after her. That's the the, the genesis of Cecilia Health, um, uh, just a phenomenal CDCES that uh, was so influential on him. And so David wanted to bring that to the rest of the world, and uh, so that was the genesis. Uh, fast forward over time, uh, we built a national provider network uh, that and, and expanded across other chronic disease states, so cardiovascular disease, pulmonary, CKD, obesity, et cetera. And you, you look across the swath of, of, of what those providers are, are doing and the license to practice in 50 states, um, they're making just a tremendous difference in people's lives. And, and that by itself is fascinating to see how that's progressed. And, and certainly the pandemic has been 
Uh, I'm grateful that players like Cecilia Health and other virtual care providers like us are, uh, have been available for people who are struggling, especially during the pandemic. Um, but another interesting thing happened along the way is the company started to realize that patients were also looking for help in the patient support programs that are available through life sciences and pharmaceutical companies. And interestingly, they want to help patients get better as well. And if you look at that fundamental premise, you can get a ton of help through that same, that, that vector that is outside of traditional healthcare, and yet they're providing care and for people. And a lot of this is more preventative, upstream kind of things, helping people with lifestyle, education, that kind of thing. And so here we are today, Cecilia Health. I joined, um, you know, the company classically grew to uh, a stage where it made sense to bring in uh, a, 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 an operator that knows how to scale a company. And so I joined in January of uh, 2021. It's been a fun year and uh, happy to say Cecilia Health is, is uh, now helping almost a quarter million patients a year. Uh, we'll exit this year almost double that and uh, feeling good about the difference we're making. Uh, well, congrats, um, first of all, uh, on all the success so far. Uh, and I'm sure it's been a wild, a wild and fun year, but uh, a lot has happened even outside of, uh, of work, right, within the last year. So with everything going on, with still going through the pandemic and like, how did that impact? Uh, just I, I've been wanting to ask more and more companies this, but how did it impact your company? Were you remote this whole time? Are you still remote? How has that uh, changed your work landscape? Yeah, well, uh, so we're fully virtual telemedicine company. And so we, we you know, eat our own dog food, so to speak. And uh, we're fully, fully virtual. We maintain a centralized office. Some, so people can come in if they wish to. We're based in Midtown Manhattan. And increasingly, we're seeing people looking for opportunities to reconnect, even if it's for a day or two. So we maintain a small footprint. But for the most part, it did not impact us. It impacted, at least operationally, uh, we didn't skip a beat. And, uh, but it's had lots of impact on patients, as you can imagine. And uh, the patient stories are, are vast. Um, one of the biggest, and, we've, and I think we're all starting to see the, the data and the repercussions starting to hit, but even in our own surveys, uh, we, we published a survey last year that um, an analysis that showed 77% of our patient encounters started with a mental health issue um, versus traditional, uh, let's talk about your type 1, type 2 diabetes, let's talk about your um, uh, uh, chronic heart disease and others, other issues. So um, kind of fascinating to see the impact that this has had. Uh, but it also speaks to the, the, the breadth of challenge that people face in managing these things. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and your answer is not uncommon. Everyone talked about it did really impact patients over the last you know, two years. But operationally, it was, everyone was kind of even some companies were shocked, right? They thought this was remote for the longest time for employees. It was such a scary thought, like, oh, we could never let people work remote. And then uh, it's, it's been really – and also – you're kind of a hypocrite and health if you're a, a virtual care company that won't let your let your employees work virtually as well so that's right that's yeah absolutely so you know i'm grateful that we had already mobilized and the team was ready to do it so it, it gave us an impetus to cut the cord and and officially make the cut over and there's no looking back at this point no no you, you can't either even if someone wanted to you it would uh it would tear people up <laughs> Now, for, for today's conversation, you and I had a few things around data that we wanted to dive into. So I have a few questions for you. Uh, the first being, we'll talk a little bit about why 
is a more fluid healthcare data environment so critical to the future of personalized care? Well, you know, it's interesting. You go, you think about back in the day that uh, where we didn't, you know, the data, especially hospital data, clinical data has been so closed off uh, with very challenging moats placed around them. And it's easy in retrospect to look back and say, well, why, why have we placed such strict moats around these data environments? And, um, and you know, hindsight being 2020, should we have done that? But nonetheless, we did. And we did it for a lot of very good reasons to protect patient uh, privacy. And um, we still care about those things. But at the same time, what that's doing is it's created all these data silos. And <clears throat> we've all had the same experience where you, you, you visit one uh, clinician and, and then go to another and none of your history, you basically have to repeat your entire history again. And oftentimes, sadly, even when you visit the same profession, uh, uh, physician, you need to regurgitate your same history. And it, it just makes no sense, especially in, you know, fast forward to today's environment. So you know, we've had this long string of, of regulation that is, and, and some pieces more recently that have made a lot of sense for us that, that frankly, I'm a lot more excited about for, uh, for it's causing a tectonic shift, frankly in how healthcare will be delivered. And so, very, in fact, a lot of the folks at Vive here, if you look at some of their underpinnings, yes, if they work with data, I'll speak to it from the clinician's standpoint and from the provider's aspect, what are some of the things that we're doing to leverage it? But the regulation, you, you can go back to the High Tech Act all the way to 2008, you can go fast forward to the Cures Act. Um, TEFCA, which just recently uh, uh, went, uh, turned enforceable. All of these pieces are creating this uh, data liquidity layer, and that sounds you know, like a fanciful word, so I'll just put it to life. Um, when we have a new patient that comes to us, you, know, you have this patient intake process, and it's that question and answer. So, Jared, where have you been? And, you know, what is your clinical history? When's the last time you saw your PCP? And have you had a lab done? And any yada yada. In fact, you end up doing a repeat labs, repeat uh, radiological uh, exams, etc. Instead, what if Prior to your arrival, we had already ingested, cult, you know, pinged out to the world of the clinical structures within this trusted exchange framework. So here we are, uh, an amalgam of healthcare practices that are inside the trust zone, and we can now ingest data, clinical histories. So now I have a much richer record for you as a starting point. So rather than ask you, 40 questions that you've repeated 20 times over, I now have relevance. And uh, while we're in the early innings and the data is coming back to us is uh, uh, getting richer and richer, uh, and by the way, can in now include claims data. So uh, it's getting richer and richer. You just have a, a real, now I can jump immediately to a, a conversation with you, much faster to a conversation about what the real issue is that why we are talking today as, as clinician patient. And that's a tremendous, tremendous uh, improvement in the pace and efficacy of, you know, we can talk about your real condition. That has downstream impacts on clinical outcomes. It has downstream impacts on, on the operations of healthcare. And uh, we call it situational awareness. You know, so understanding where somebody is actually in their care journey. And it's not just where are they from clinical manifestation, what are their blood measures, whatever. It's, you know, biologics. It's also about um, what social determinants elements are there available. 
uh, it's about where are they in a care journey. Let's say they were just recently discharged for, for congestive heart failure, and what if within tw- the you know, normally standard of practice would be you'd have a nurse follow-up within 24 hours or 48, depending on, on the practice. What if that didn't happen? Um, and you know, so much of healthcare uh, is is a kind of a, a, a turn by turn, you know, turn by turn piece of paper. And if you miss one of those directions, one of those turns, you're wildly off course. Well, then what do you do? There's not really a Waze or a, a, a Google Maps that can help redirect a patient, figure out where is where is this patient now navigationally, where do they need to be? And so there's a lot more to it than just simply navigation. So what tests were just missed? Um, uh, what assessments were just missed? And what do I do about that? As a clinician, what do I do about that? And uh, so, so this data layers created this new opportunity, this new vista for all practitioners, uh, all provider organizations to take advantage of that and make a much more directive, um, a directive uh, 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 review of a patient's situation and make appropriate decisions and then hopefully knock on wood when I you know when I then plug in my order sets or next best action actually have confidence that it's going to happen interesting now in terms of so I know you within that discussion you mentioned Cecilia can you go into uh, any more detail regarding because you were giving up which is I'm so happy you did and I don't like when people come on and then just say I like when they take it back can you can you take it back a layer now and talk us through some of the way, additional ways I guess Cecilia Health like how, how do these new acts uh, impact uh, Cecilia Health as a company? Yeah, sure. So so I gave one example there. You know, simple simple patient intake. Once you're a patient with us, so so I'll use a a, a great you know, one of the recent patient examples. We had a a uh, an individual we we classify him as our long haul trucker. And he, he was. He was a long-haul trucker dri- you know, driving his 18-wheeler back and forth across the U.S. That's a lot of sitting time. And no surprise, he started to develop a lot of, as, as he aged, he developed a lot of uh, chronic diseases. And um, wanted to do something about it, but here he is. You talk about access, patient access. Here, you know, I mean, this is, he's never home, so how do I access healthcare when I'm driving a truck? And telemedicine enables that, so that's one one interesting piece. So at the same time, he has limited time for, for, to pay attention to his health, to discuss his health, do something about it. And so here we are, we're available. So number one. Number two, prior to getting on that call, the, the first call with this trucker, again, just focused on the patient intake piece. Now we understand where is he, what are his diagnoses. We can now validate, have a validation discussion with him and move quickly to understanding all the other surrounding elements of, of his, uh, his circumstance. And um, so we start working with this patient. I'll jump to the punchline, but then come back to the data elements. Punchline is 12 months later, this patient is, he's down in weight. His, uh, his A1C is down into normal range, feeling good. He's very happy about his, his newborn child, et cetera, and, and feeling good about life. Um, when we first had that first patient interaction, we can now, in the data layer, start to surveil, okay, let's just, you know, Jared, your next step is I want you to go see, go have this lab done uh, on XYZ date. Let's get it set up for you so you can schedule it. 
did that actually happen? And if I'm now able to surveil, and you've given me permission to do, to do so, surveil, I can see whether or not you did or, or not. In fact, I can send you reminders to help you, you know, and if we need to ad adapt to that. So now from a coordinated care standpoint, we can see what's happening. And we can help you navigate to the right place. So it's a little bit of a navigational thing. It's a little bit of a co coordination thing. And what if those blood panels came back as we saw those, as, as we continued to surveil and be the eyes that are watching your care program? And what if that came back with some indicator that we needed to have another conversation with you yeah. or direct you into another follow-up piece of care? Um, now we can see that. So it's pretty incredible if you think about what, this new data layer, this new foundational uh, of, of healthcare interop interoperable clinical and claims data, that new vista is just beginning. And again, it's early innings, so, so it's, we have a long way to go. Early innings, like first, second inning of, of this coming together. But uh, just the simple ingestion of clinical history, the surveilling piece, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's going to be so transformative you could play that all the way forward into a really novel uh, argument. You know, and some people here are making this argument that the, the notion of a provider network will be completely upended as a result of this. Um, because if you have true data liquidity and fluidity, you could see any clinician that you want to see. So you know, I don't want to get too prognostic about where things are going, but that's a pretty interesting uh, supposition that was and provocative supposition that's been put out there. All of it is enabled by this data construct. Uh, thank you for sharing, too, by the way. Uh, I love, uh, I like how you put me in the examples. I don't know what it is. It just, I, I think whenever someone explains it to you and they use you in the example, it, it gets you to kind of paint a picture in your head. Um, so I like how you did that. I'm going to start doing that when I, when I talk with people, put them in the situation, as long as it's like not a horrible situation, right, that you're explaining them to. Uh, but thank you for that. As we wrap up here, Mark, can you tell us what, what you were able to tell us? Because I know there's some things you probably can't. Uh, what's next for Cecilia Health? Well, you, you know, it's, there's, there's two pieces to this. You know, what's next for us? We're going to continue to pursue this data layer. Um, it makes a lot of sense. As I said, we're working with patients both in life sciences and in the traditional healthcare sectors. Uh, we'll continue to expand in our, our repertoire of, of chronic disease states. Uh, we'll expand uh, uh, chronic kidney disease in particular. We're already doing that, and, and there's a lot of uh, regulatory driver and, and impetus to get towards say, uh, stage three renal disease. So we'll, uh, we're going to continue to migrate in that area and then fire up an oncology practice. Um, on the life sciences side, you know, the, the connectivity, the real magic, what's interesting to me is how patients can access care through this life sciences vector. And there's a deep, deep need for uh, clinical acumen, both uh, from in the patient support programming as well as decentralized clinical trials. And the, the type of help that patients are looking for and they get from us is technical support. They're getting clinical operating support. They're getting patient safety support. Um, they're getting emotional support, and uh, along with the, the regular accoutrement of additional access to care. And we're going to continue to play that, uh, that vector uh, and, and melding those two pieces for, for patients. And so we're rewriting how patients fit within the center of care. And uh, I don't want to call that the patient-centered medical home because we're, we're scratching that out and we're adding in this life sciences vector, and it's highly effective for patients. Well, I look forward to seeing you know, 
staying in touch with you and seeing the continued growth of Cecilia Health. And we'll have to have you come back on again because I know there's a lot of other stuff that we would love to, to talk about. But uh, again, really appreciate you uh, spending some of your time at the conference to come speak with us and uh, wish you and the team all the best of luck.